Welcome to the PB&J podcast. This will not be televised. Whether you agree with us or not, we invite you to be curious, become empowered, conduct your own research, and gain personal confidence with the goal of improving your overall health and wellness. For health topics and questions, we encourage everyone to consult their physician to discuss the best care and treatments for their personal situation. Hello, listeners, and welcome again to PB&J Podcast. This will not be televised. Thank you so much to, for listening to our, our this fledgling uh, podcast. Even though it's relatively new, we hope that we have enough substance and enough interest that we can uh, keep you listening to our program. Today, we're going to talk about something interesting that everybody, every human faces, and that's emotional health. Um, Jay and I have been kind of digging into the research and finding a lot of information. Matter of fact, there's more information out there on the internet than most one person can go through alone. So I am so glad that we're even able to give you at least an overview of what emotional health is. So let me first say that emotional health and well-being and and well-being itself are actually synonymous. So a lot of times when people say the emotional health, they're also talking about somebody's well-being. And it's really the overall positive state of one's emotion um, and the, the ability to, you know, when someone's life is, is, is good and they have emotional well-being, they are able to accomplish things and, and find a sense of meaning and purpose in their life as well as the ability to, to pursue goals. And so without that element of having emotional health, things can go awry quickly. Um, there was uh, some research that was done in 2019 and these uh, this one scientist, Patel, he talked about emotional health as, you know, when people are not able to express their emotion, that repression itself can lead to someone's inability to regulate their emotions. Um, you know, individuals who have difficulty expressing their emotions tend to actually engage in substance abuse. Um, they fail to exercise, uh, adopt poor eating habits, as well as they have trouble sleeping, have sleep problems. So in the absence of, of well-being, a lot of chaos can happen um, in one's life. Uh, let me just kind of give you some information about the concepts of, of well-being. Um, when when we look at well-being, you know, we integrate both our mental health and our physical health because what affects us mentally also impacts us physically. And so just like um, in the case of stress and anxiety, or let me do it this way, stress and excitement. Science has proven that both stress and excitement have the same physical indicators in the body, but they have different connotations. Stress is negative. Excitement, of course, is positive. So we have a tendency of putting words to how we feel 
And so it's important for us to understand that what we say and what we, what we say has a lot to do with the way we feel. Um, so our emotional state uh, actually influences our thoughts, well, say our thoughts and our feelings actually impact our physical state. Does this all make sense, Jay, what I'm talking about? Absolutely. So over the years, like many linguists believe that words, the words that we speak have an influence on our thoughts and our feelings. So they've done a connection. They've looked at a connection between um, the elements of words and how a society has created certain words to actually, for people to actually be able to articulate what they're feeling at the time. Um, there was an article that was provided by Adrian Mate. Uh, this was she's a journalist. She's a Vancouver. She's the editor of Vancouver, uh, and has been in journalism, culture-oriented journalism, for over ten years. And she wrote an article regarding words that we speak, and how we, how those words we use create meaning for us, and what are the impacts on it. So. Every time a new word is created, it reflects a society's need for that word. Um, so in the case of, I mean, use the case that she used, the term nostalgia, you know, back in the 60, uh, 1600s, um, there was a pattern of patients who were living far away from home, and these patients would become physically and almost fatally sick being away from home. And so the medical community termed the, the word nostalgia, meaning that it, it created, it was created from the word, the Greek word notus, meaning homecoming and algebra, which is pain. So that's where the word comes from. And surprisingly enough, what happened using that word, and, and they found that it, it was actually, um, they found that there was, people losing their appetites, you know, fainting, there was a heightened suicide risk. And so they tried it out on this battlefield of these mercenaries and they were fighting on the, on the field. And there was a song, a, a Swiss milking song that they would play and it would send, <laughs> this is how long ago this was, and they would send all the soldiers into this frenzy this nostalgic frenzy because of this one song. So the commanders or the people that were actually leading the charge, they made that song, if it was played, punishable by death. Because it was causing more harm on the soldiers than it was causing any, you know, the effect of them to rally around the troops and actually go out in battle. So it's, it's weird. But, you know, I understand that, I understand how words have emotions behind it. We were talking earlier, Jake, and I was telling you about my little bit of anxiety was going on about traveling to another country. So in an area that where the temperatures, they've never had these types of temperatures, but this is all across the world, um, and they don't have necessarily their homes have air conditioning. 
Whereas here in the U.S., you know, we know we want to escape the heat. Go in, go find the air, the closest air conditioned fan, whatever, it's just to get out the heat. Well, I may not have that ability there in another country where, you know, where I'm staying is there is no air conditioning. So, <laughs> am I scared and afraid? Yes. So, what do I do? I go out and I prepare myself for the heat. Now, mind you, I'm preparing myself for excruciating heat, right? Which I don't particularly care for. <laughs> and so it's causing these wheels in my mind to turn to say, wow, is this a good time to go? Is this not a good time to go? And so now I'm having these apprehensions about my decision to go somewhere else abroad. And so those words, that if I keep telling myself these words over and over again, I know that it's going to impact my ability to enjoy my trip. So without a question, it's like because of the fact that I'm anticipating or expecting, you know, the worst weather conditions for me. <laughs> so I have, I'm sorry, I have to laugh because I haven't heard any horror stories about, you know, the lack of air conditioning in Europe, you know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> they're having some heat waves too. Now, right. definitely, right. they're having some some heat issues that they have never had before. But I I don't think you're going to have to, um, you know, pack up a window unit air conditioner and send it, you know, put it in your suitcase and take it with you. I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> I, I'm praying. I'm praying. But you know, the thing is, the the, the thought, the thought itself. Mm -hmm because of the words that I tell myself. It's making like, you anxious. It's, yes, it's yeah. making me yeah. anxious. And so yeah. that anxiety creates fear. Sure. And that creates, prayer creates confusion. Sure. You know, and so one kind of leads, it can take you down a rabbit hole of no return or actually you can just say, well, you know what? I am prepared for no matter what. You know, I got all my equipment, my electronics, everything is ready. So I'm not no longer going to think about the time that I'm, I'm dreading, that dread, because that is an emotion itself. Dread itself is an emotion. I am going to look at this as an adventure, an opportunity to find myself somewhere else in a different place, a different time period, a different time zone, and enjoy the moment that I'm there. And so listeners, I have to say now, when Pam comes back from her adventure, she can let us know whether it was as bad as she had thought it was going to be. And if I get a call, if I get a text from her saying, "You need to send me a window air conditioner while I'm here," then you know I'm going to be I'm going to be busy trying to get her something, so she's not going to be too hot. Right, exactly. Or I'm going to have to find me a block of ice. And take my portable fan. Right? There you go. Set your yeah. There you go. Do <laughs> MacGyver it, right? Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just ingenuity to get through it. Yeah. So it, that being said, you know, there's been a lot of, of things associated with health and well-being, as, as well as your reduced risk of health um, of death. I say reduced risk. Of the reduced risk of death, if you have 
if you have a, a if you are you know emotionally um, stable and I say that or actually can manage your emotions as well as have a, a healthy well-being and that includes anything from heart disease to cancer because cancer has been linked to people's state of mind and that's what emotion is it's a state of mind hormones um, and adrenaline and yes. all those stress hormones that rear their ugly heads yes everything yeah. everything that that could cause physical damage can be associated with our mental and emotional well-being so they did a research back in January 2022 about mental health problems that are linked directly to children. And a lot of it has to do with societal problems that these kids are having or experiencing has to do with a mental health problem. So they kind of linked somebody's mental health when they're having problems or obstacles and it, it um, and they're no longer able to manage their emotions, it will have a, long, a, a lasting long-term effect even on children. So there are differences in mental health, as most of us know, as well as, as emotional health. And these differences are kind of wide and varied. But basically, you know, mental health has to do with the way we think. Uh, the way we process information. And then there's also the emotional, and it's how we react to those thoughts. So emotional has more to do with what, how we do it, how we respond, and the mental has to do with the way we think about it and how we're able to manage that thinking. Because we all get caught up in negative thoughts. It could be a negative thought about a situation. It could be a negative thought about a person. And we can go down, that negative thought can take us to the point that we're actually having pictures. We have these pictures in our head about, you know, about a particular person or about a particular situation. And that can lead us to having these stress responses in our body, inflammation, you know, um, restrictions on blood flow to our heart. It, it's, it has a, a great impact on on how we respond to the stimulus that we give it. Because the more we speak about it, the more stimuli it receives. And so we turn it around and we make it positive, then nine times out of 10, most likely, we will find the differences that when we think a negative thought and we take that negative thought and turn it into a positive thought. So there's different ways in which we can do that and things that we can implement. Jay, I'm going to let you take them away with some statistics because I think this would be a good time for them to understand, you know, some of the statistical data that's out there um, that, that can reflect upon emotional management. Okay, I'm, I'm going to dovetail on what some of the things that Pam has already indicated. And the first thing I think that is important for everyone to know is that mental health is health. Sometimes people want to say, oh, you know, your, your mental issues are a completely separate thing. It's, you know, has nothing to do with your overall health. And, you know, Pam talked about well-being, and, and absolutely it does. It's, it's a component of your well-being. Your mental health is a part of your health, just like your physical health is. So it's, it goes hand in hand. It's a partnership. 
the the bad news is you know mental health has gotten so stigmatized over you know a period of time it's getting better but people still have a reluctance uh to talk about mental health and so um i, I gathered some information that i think everybody will be interested in um, especially those who think that you know if you have a mental issue i've, I've seen all these articles like calling mental disorders boy i hate that mm, word disorder because yes. to me that is like no that's that's not an issue um I can tell you that most of the people that I know have seen a therapist at some point in their life. Yes. Not once, but multiple times. Yes. So that's number one. Um, if, you're, if you want to hear about some statistics about people who are dealing with mental health issues, and that is a wide range, by the way, that's not, you know, not everybody's a schizophrenic or dealing with, uh, you know, personally personality disorders or things like that i mean depression is a pretty big deal um mm -hmm. one so the who world health organization now this is across the world this is not just in the u.s one in every eight people in the world are living with a mental issue mm. one in eight so if you're standing in a group of say you're in disney world mm -hmm. and you're in a crowd <laughs> a and, you're, and you're in a crowd right Right, that's a big place. <laughs> of, of every eight people you see, one of them is dealing with, if these statistics are accurate, right. one of every eight people is dealing with some kind of mental issue, which is like, wow, okay, so it's pretty prevalent, right? right. Um, most people, unfortunately, don't have access to effective care. And this is what I thought was really interesting. Um, wait, before I go to that, though, in the United States, one in five adults live with a mental issue. One in five. Let's say this, mental known issue. Because yes. Not all, not everyone's um, mental state is reported, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There are people out there with mental exactly. disorders, but it never gets reported. Exactly. And so, you know, Pam was talking about children um, and again, if these statistics are accurate, 50% of chronic mental illness starts before 14 years old. Mm. 50%. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, just over 10 million people over the age of 18 have more than one addiction or mental health issue. Um, you know, the, the, listeners, this is not some, you know, isolated, geez, I, you know, it'll never happen. The, this is pretty prevalent. It, it's it's not uh, it's not unusual. It's pretty usual. <laughs> and, right, and most yeah. likely, most of our listeners know someone, or have or experiencing themselves, yep. or have come in contact with someone who has a mental disorder. What they consider disorder. Yeah, I, hate I don't just, like that. Word. I don't like that word. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I don't know who you came know. up with that, but boy, that really you know, puts a damper on someone, you know, trying to get support. So in, yes, two, sure. so in two, here's another thing about kids. You were talking about kids. In 2019, 301 million people were living with an anxiety disorder, including mm. 58 million children and adolescents. 58 million. That's, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids who right. are going to end up being adults with these same disorders. Right. If they're not treated, if they, if, if there's, right. And so, um, 
If they, they talk about mental health disorders being grouped into categories. And so um, I'm going to go over those. Anxiety, eating, mood, personality, trauma and stressor related, and psychotic. Mm. And so when you were talking about emotional health and um, pairing it with mental health, you figure mental health, uh, things can happen for a variety of reasons. You can have a mental health issue because of something environmental, because mm-hmm. of something uh, that's hereditary, uh, something that's chemical, something that's episodic, so, you know, some kind of event happened that was mm-hmm. traumatic. And so there are a variety of reasons why people have emotions and they have, um, you know, different mental, I'm not going to say disorder. I don't like that word. I'm going to say mental issue. I'm in mental issue. Okay. And so, um, (laughs) uh, depression is a big deal. I talked about that earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. In 2019, 280 million people were living with depression. Mm. 200 living with been? depression yes yeah and can you imagine how many joined the ranks during covid yeah oh and that and and covid only exacerbated the whole thing i mean that was in 2019 right so you can right. imagine that went up exponentially along with uh substance abuse and misuse mm-hmm. um the isolation as well as suicide. Yes, suicide. I know I've done research and suicide and suicide attempts did go up. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a fact. And so given all of this, I'm not going to go into, um, you know, all a description of every single kind of disorder that they're saying issue. Um, I've heard there's over... 180 something. <laughs> there is so I heard some crazy number not recently. Right. So there is this uh, this book called the DSM-5 that is used to categorize different kinds of things. And that you know what I wanted to say was um, when people go to a mental health professional, that might be um, a counselor, it might be a psychologist, it might be a psychiatrist or somewhere in between. And it's important to know that if that counselor, whatever the counselor is, has to somehow categorize what your issue is, they have to look in that DSM-5 and figure out a code because we all know that insurance requires some kind of code before it will be paid. And so I, I don't want any listeners to feel like uh, because they're being categorized that, you know, there's some kind of pariah. Um, it's, it's kind of like goes along with the territory. The, the counselors have to, to call whatever you're feeling. It can be something is you're just having a bad day. I mean, right. it could be just something really milk toast. Mm-hmm. Um, but they yes. have to call it something, right? They have to, they have to put code in, in their records. And so I think it's important for people to know that, it, no, you're not being categorized. You're not being put into some kind of, you know, list or some kind of Excel spreadsheet. They have to have that for records. It's just part of the profession. Um, so in looking at mental health professionals, um, and at work, this is something that has come up recently. And uh, I was curious to find out First of all, how many, with the um, the population is 
doesn't marry up. The population of uh, mental health professionals doesn't marry up with the people who need help. Mm. Um, mm. And combine that with the people who live in areas where there's not even medical professionals, much less mental health professionals. True. Right? Very true. So if there are, if you look at the population that is affected by some kind of mental health issue and you're thinking, oh, well, they can just, you know, call up, you know, Joe Bag of Donuts and go see somebody. It's like, well, you know, maybe that state or maybe that community doesn't have any mental health professionals. So they are, it, it, you know, they either have to, you know, figure it out and mm-hmm. try to deal with it, try to cope with it. Again, you know, you're talking about emotions and, um, you know, trying to stay positive, but not knowing, you know, how to deal with things and, and you know, not having anybody to talk to, not having that support. Right. So get this, according to Zipia, and I don't know what Zipia is, I must confess, but they had the statistic, statistics. The mental health professional ethnic breakdown for 2021 there were white mental health professionals, 75.5%, Hispanic or Latino, 12.9%, Black or African American, 6.1%, Asian, 2%. Mm. So if, mm. you, if, if people are normal, I want to say, when you go to a doctor, whether it be a mental health professional or, or a medical doctor, you want to go to someone who you think will relate to you, right? Right. If, if you're right. black, you want to see somebody black. If you're female, maybe you want to see someone who's female. female. My yeah. physicians are female because I right. think I'm going to have a you know, better rapport with them. Absolutely. Um, you're going to have a conversation with them that you may not have with a, a, a male. Exactly. And, you know, just like a, a black person probably would feel more comfortable going to a black doctor than a white doctor. Absolutely. I'm, I'm assuming Absolutely. you're, you know. No, I, I can I can attest to that. Yeah. Because both my doctor, my internal medicine doctor, as well as my OBGYN were black, and so I felt that I had a better rapport with them. Yep. Um, and I could have better conversation. That it just happened to be that way. But the moment that I met them, mm-hmm. the first time I met them, I already knew that I was connected to them. Right. And so, you know? yeah. So you figure if this is the, the makeup of the mental health professionals, mm. people, <laughs> people are going to have a tough time finding someone that they're going to feel comfortable with. And the last thing you want to do is go to a, a doctor who's, you know, just going to shake their head and say, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can't relate to you. And, right. you know, nod their head and, and jot some, some notes <laughs> right. down. Right, or, or want to give you the, um, the, the highlighted version of what your life should have been like. Right. And without having an understanding of what it really was like. Right. You and, know, or having a concept or idea of what it was like. Right. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, mental health professionals aren't schooled and trained in, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff. But right. I would think that if you're a person of color... Okay. then you want to talk to someone who's also a person of color Absolutely. because they may have also personally experienced the same things or at least know somebody who has experienced the same things. Okay. So right. it can relate to the story. Right. And so it's, it's pretty sobering to find out that the majority of the mental health professionals are white and most of them are female. Right. Um, 
you know, that's, it, it's, it doesn't give you a warm fuzzy, does it? It, it really doesn't. No. It really doesn't. And it's not like you would, you know, that there are any statistics out there about people who are entering into that field. You um, know, statistics yeah. show not a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, not a lot. Right. Not a lot. It, one, it requires the expense of it, period. And as well as, you know, you have to have, you have to be a little resilient to be in that, that position, to listen to everybody's woes and gripes and then have to manage your own emotions as well. So I feel for the, not only the, um, the patients themselves not being matched correctly with the right uh, healthcare provider, as well as the healthcare provider not being matched for their own healthcare. Right, and and so, and, and that doesn't even, you know, those those particular categories of the uh, demographics for healthcare professionals, that doesn't include people who are Native American, people who are mm. Pacific Islanders, and people sure. who are mixed race, who, who they don't feel like they have a home sometimes. They're like, right. am I black? Am I white? Am I okay. Chinese? Am I Vietnamese? Am I, you know, what, yeah. what am I? And so, again, as, as the United States becomes more of a melting pot and people, you know, are, are, are you know, mixed marriages and, you know, right. have mixed, mixed race children. And so that is still, in, in my opinion, I, I'm not a professional mm-hmm. and I don't play one on TV, but I would think that that is also something that is a, a tough nut to crack if that's coming up. And I only say yeah. that because of a panel session I sat in for work last week. Um, and that the panelist was um, um, a black clinician, a Chinese-American clinician, Hispanic clinician. And mm-hmm. the, the stories were very enlightening and uh, very revealing as to what mm. the challenges are. Um, In each other community. Absolutely. And so... Because they're so different. So different. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And just the the experiences and, and uh, the, the cultures, right, mm. are different. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't know. So here's, here's the good news. The good news is there are organizations out there. There are so many resources that I'll bet a lot of people are not aware of. You just have to, unfortunately, you just have to Google them. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. So right. I'm going to go through some of those. Um, and, and some of these you, you may have heard and some of them you may not have. The first thing I want to talk about was 988. Um, 988 is a new, um, like a 911 phone number if you are having a mental health crisis. You can text it or you can dial it. If so it's you, nationwide. Nationwide. Just became nationwide on July 16th. Um, Nine eight eight. So if you are feeling stressed, you don't have to have a mental health condition. Okay, you, you don't you don't have to have, you know, anorexia or you know schizophrenia. You don't have to have any. You can call, if you are feeling in crisis, if you are just just beside yourself, you can call that number and 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 get help. Um, if you are feeling like you want to take your own life, I hope nobody feels like that, but you are not alone. Uh, oh. There is help out there. I, I, I know of people who have taken their life and it's, okay. you are not alone. You, you, there is so much support out there you can't even imagine. 
Um, so 988 is your friend. Um, if you don't want to go physically to see a mental health provider, there's teletherapy. Uh, that is where you can get on your computer and you can talk to someone either, you know, on camera or off camera. Um, there are social media uh, resources out there. There are blogs. Um, the only thing I would say about using social media and blogs, and you kind of hinted to this earlier, is if you go down the rabbit hole of people who are also in a negative way, having a, a hard time, and you start identifying with them, and, and all of you are, <laughs> are going down that rabbit hole, that's not going to help. You want to surround yourself with people who can provide support, provide positive feedback, give you um, solutions rather than, you know, making the problem worse. Whatever you're feeling, whatever's going on, whether it's temporary, whether it's something that's, you know, been going on for a long time, is surround yourself with positive people who can help you not get in a group of, <laughs> you know. Uh, of people who are going through the same thing. Right, and, and bringing you down. Yeah, and it's funny you should say that because I remember a conversation recently I had uh, with a woman and she was saying that she had joined this, she had lost a daughter and she had joined this group of people who were, who had lost a child, okay? Um, and she had to get out the group. Yeah. Because she said that, you know, they, everybody's experiencing, talking about their own personal experiences but no one's given solutions. They're just telling stories, you know, right. about what they were feeling that week or what they went through that week. So the thing is, you know, when you get to the point that you're just, you're just in that group because they make you feel like you belong, but are not there to help you on your path, then it it's not beneficial at all. Right. That's just, to me... A support group has to have a facilitator that is going to be a, a, a professional who can give solutions and guide people down a path of positive things, not just kind of everybody's mired in their own right. depression right. and and, and, and feelings and, and, of and, despair. And everybody's there to support each other in their own depression. Right. Yeah. Right. There's well. There's one thing. There's one. There's one thing to feel like you're not alone because other people right. have the same issues. But it's another thing to like, okay, so I, I, I see that everybody, you know, in this group has similar problems, but where's the person that can help me? <laughs> where's the person that can help, you know, solve this problem, right? Give me a path or give me some solutions. Now, as I understand it, most of the people in this group were actually, um, were going to an outside psychologist mm -hmm. or psychiatrist. Yeah. But the thing is, for that gathering yeah. together, yeah. just to tell stories of bereavement and their mourning and their, you know, their periods of depression, right. it was not helpful. And, and fortunately, this woman recognized it after the second session. Yeah. She was like, I can't do this because it was taking her deeper and deeper down that hole. Right. It And it sucks everything out of you, right? Yeah. You want yeah. someone that's someone to lead you to a path of getting out of that hole. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. At yeah. least so you can see some light. But exactly. You know, people who are like, 
or going the exact same thing that you're going through just to say you belong to this group. Right. It was not. It's not beneficial. It's right. More than you know. It's basically you know there there's something you have to be said for trying to fit into a group and actually those who belong to the group. And you know, in the belonging, you can you can probably get more assistance as opposed to just everybody fitting in because all you guys' stories are exactly the same. Right. You lost a job. You know? Yeah. I, I would think that if you, if anybody goes to any kind of a group, whether it be by blog or, you know, some kind of online something, make sure there's a, a mental health professional involved some way so that, you know, it's not just this big group of people getting together and, and going down the same hole. Because uh, yeah. the point is to get out of the hole, right? The point is right. to, to get back to some, uh, some strength and, and some hope. Um, yeah, and hopefully when you leave, walk away from that group, you know, or when you leave that group at the end of the session, you feel a certain amount of peace and, and right. knowing that you're, you're, you're there because you're supposed to be there. Right. And it's, you know, we talk about, you know, part of the reason for our podcast is for empowerment and, and people learning, you know, how to feel confident. And, and that's part of the process, right? It's like, right. no, I'm not going to feel more confident if I... <laughs> If I'm being brought down, right. it's like no. I want to. I want to get back up off the ground right. and and or move I need forward. A drink after I leave this group. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm just. I'm just going to go through. Um, we're we're kind of uh, wrapping it up here, but Working I want to go through this list. Um, so if people want to Google these, most of these uh, associations have locator information or other um, listed resources within their websites where you can find uh, specific information. Um, so I'm going to start out with the American Psychiatric Association. Uh, they have a locator on there, the American Psychological Association, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Mental Health America, mentalhealth.gov, National Institute on Mental Health, and that includes information for older adults, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and I can tell you that foundation is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, that is a, the really good foundation. Um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the Trevor Project, which uh, de deals with LGBTQ youth, uh, the Loveland Foundation, which deals with black girls and women, the Black Mental Health Alliance, the South Asian Mental Health Initiative and ne Network, the Institute for Muslim Mental Health, the Trans Lifeline, um, Anxiety and Depression Association of America, right? Who knew that there was an association uh, dedicated to anxiety and depression? Um, depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders, the National Eating Disorders Association, the National Institute of Alcoholism and Alcohol Abuse, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, the PTSD Alliance, Schizophrenia and Related Disorders Alliance of America, and the World Health Organization for those uh, listeners who are not in the United States, but even if you aren't in the United States, you can still go to those websites and there's still resources that would probably be of value. 
Um, so there's lots of good information mm -hmm. out there, lots of resources. Um, you know, try to try to you know get your Google Google hat on and, and start Googling some of these places because there's a lot of good information and it's up to date. It's not like this old stuff from the 1990s. This is like new new initiatives, um, new studies, um, new legislation. There's all kinds of good stuff that will probably give you hope and, and make you feel like uh, you're not alone and there are other people um, with this. I mean, if they wouldn't have this many resources if there weren't a lot of people who were dealing with right. it, right? Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And that much money would not be put into those types of resources if they didn't find that they were needed. Correct. So on that note, Jay, I think it's time for us to wrap up. You know, we can stay on this conversation with emotional health for, for days, weeks at a time, because there's so much to know and so much that can be done, um, not only with, for ourselves, but for the people that we love and the people we come in contact with. And so <clears throat> we hope that you find this episode enlightening. We hope that we gave you a little bit of information where you can go see help for yourself. And with that, we're going to say light and love from PV. I say goodbye. And Jay. See you all next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>